0: So as uh, not just Anglicans do this, but a lot of other liturgical traditions do this, uh, we have a three-year scripture sort of schedule. We call it a Sunday lectionary. And so every three years, the scriptures uh, should be somewhat familiar. Um, That doesn't mean that preachers can't diverge from that. Uh, We can do other sermon series and things like that. And sometimes we can swap scriptures out and you you can choose what you want to preach on. But three years ago, when we had these... Uh, scripture lessons assigned, I opened by saying this. In the second year of the reign of President Donald Trump, Mark Dayton being governor of the state of Minnesota, and Jacob Fry, the mayor of the city of Minneapolis, and Melvin Carter, the mayor of the city of St. Paul, and Jeremy Schroeder, the councilman of South Minneapolis. Now, it didn't happen this time, but last time there were a couple of Huh, you know, like comments like that. So, okay, all right. But my guess is simply by listing those names, there's names that you appreciate 2018. Maybe you were back there in the community center with us and you heard that initial sermon and remembered every word that was said and recorded it and just have meditated on it ever since. That's not the part we're supposed to laugh at. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> or maybe you were off on vacation. Maybe you lived in, a, in another state. Maybe you attended another church. You know, who knows? Where were you in December of 2018? But my other question is, if you had known what was coming... If you had known what would be arriving here in Minnesota just 15 months later, what would you have told yourself? How would you prepare for something like a global pandemic coming here to our state? Would you have loaded up on uh, uh, N95 face masks and NyQuil and I don't know ramen noodles or something like that? Uh, would you have hopped on a plane and taken some last-minute uh, trips to to Italy or something? You know, before all of the global travel would just shut down. Or maybe you would have invested all of your money in tech companies, knowing that businesses and education and social life would be virtualized and you're like, this is an opportunity to make money. How would you have prepared yourself if you could go back to December of 2018? Well, I think if there's anything that the global pandemic has taught us, it's that we were not prepared for a global pandemic. Uh, We weren't prepared for it politically, we weren't prepared for it personally, and we certainly were not prepared for it collectively as a society. It has turned this world upside down, hasn't it? Well, the season of Advent is a season of preparation. And that is coming through uh, these readings, as I'm sure you've gleaned. The Old Testament reading from Malachi, God says that he's sending a messenger to prepare the people. And then in Luke's gospel, which was written 400 years later, we hear who that messenger is. It's John the Baptist. And we are told that he came to prepare the people And then if we were to keep reading throughout the Gospels, we would realize that that wasn't the end of preparation talk. It's actually a major theme of Jesus' teaching over and over again. He's preparing people for something that's next. But what is that? What is it that we're preparing for? Well, if you were to turn on the TV or the radio these days, the message you would get from culture is very clear. And I, and I think it's epitomized uh, in the movie Elf uh, by Buddy when he's working at a store and he finds out that his boss is coming. And what does he do? He screams at the top of his lungs, Santa's coming, he's here. And then he like, spends all night long preparing the store for the arrival of Santa And that is very much the message that we hear from society these days, right? Prepare for presents, prepare for Santa, prepare for Christmas. But if you listen carefully, the message of Advent, the historical message of the church, says otherwise. Advent, the word Advent means coming or arrival. And we remember during this season the first coming, the first arrival of God's Son 2,000 years ago. But also and maybe it's because Advent's my favorite, I would say that the, the theme of Advent that we should most focus on during this time is that Jesus will come back again, as we say every single week. You see, we are not preparing for the arrival of a holiday. We are preparing for the arrival of God himself. That is what the message of Advent is. So let's return back to that list of politicians uh, but let's turn to Luke's version of it uh, from 2,000 years ago. And when that, name, or when that list was written 2,000 years ago, it wasn't just for to provide a, a historical pinpoint, although Luke the historian, I'm sure that was part of his motivation for doing so, but it also stirred up a lot of anxiety among the people. That was not a list of admirable folks uh, that we read in Luke's gospel this morning. You've got Tiberius Caesar, who was being worshipped throughout the empire as a god himself. And then you have that list of Jewish Tetrarchs, who were kind of like governors of the day, and they squeezed whatever resources they could from the Jewish people. They were not admirable leaders. But the glory and the hope of this is that in spite of the fact of the list of oppressive and violent people in power, in spite of all of that, the word of the Lord speaks. He is not impeded by any of our darkness of the day. That is the message of hope. There is hope that God will, oh, and then there was additional hope, that God would bring judgment upon all of those who are a corrupt um, people. So we hear this also throughout Isaiah, prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. Every valley shall be filled and every mountain shall be made low. Those are metaphors of judgment. Those people who are meek and lowly, God will lift up. And people who are haughty and arrogant, God will bring low indeed. And then in the prophet Malachi, we hear, that, we hear God say, I will draw near to you for judgment And we say this every single week in the Nicene Creed, that Jesus will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead. So what is it that we're preparing for, friends? We're preparing for God to come with judgment. Now, judgment obviously makes us nervous. And uh, earlier this week, Molly was like, so what are you going to be preaching on? And I said, I think I'm going to... Preach on judgment this week, and she goes ugh, you know, like without without missing a beat. Maybe that's why she's volunteering in the nursery today. She just doesn't want to hear it. You know? I, Lena, don't tell mom that I said any of that, please. Uh, probably the worst uh, insult that you can receive these days is that you're you're called judgmental. That's not something that uh, you want to be referred to as. But to make a judgment is to make a decision as to whether something is good or bad or right or wrong. And usually it's assumed that along with a judgment, there is a consequence that comes based upon that judgment. And so typically you don't wanna be friends with someone who's judgmental because it feels like you're always being sifted, right? All of your actions, every word that comes out of your mouth, even your motives are being judged, being weighed and analyzed and measured and then ultimately assigned a value. You know, are you thumbs up or thumbs down? So to be judged feels objectifying. It feels reductionistic. And quite honestly, if you're friends with anyone who's judgmental, it's super exhausting, right? We don't like to be judged. But the problem with this line of thinking is that our experience with judgment is based upon human interactions, human, um, uh, human judgments. And human beings don't know our full stories, Human beings jump to conclusions, right? Human beings are selfish, right? Human beings can make bad judgments. We don't like judgment because we ourselves are really bad at it. <laughs> and we don't want to receive what we know we ourselves are super bad at. Well, thanks be to God that it's not Tiberius Caesar or Donald Trump or Joe Biden or Pontius Pilate or Rick Stowers who's coming to judge the living and the dead, it's Jesus Christ. He is the one who suffered and died upon the cross. He is the one who rose again from the dead. Jesus died for you, and he is our judge. As Paul writes uh, to the Thessalonians, he says, so then let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and let us stay sober. And then this is key. He says, for God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. Did you hear that? God did not destine us for wrath, but he sent his son, Jesus Christ, who died for you so that you might live with him. And as Jesus says elsewhere, he says, I came that you might have life and that you might have it abundantly. So last week, we've, uh, we spent a lot of time at home, uh, as you're supposed to do when you're sick, and uh, we were inspired to clean up our basement. Um, I don't know about you, but our basement is a huge embarrassment. It's disgusting. Um, you know, people come, like, like, you know, to work on the furnace or something, and maybe you do this, too. You're like, I'm so sorry. Like, Ugh. And they're always like, I have a basement, too. Mine is disgusting, also, you know. So, anyway, uh, as some of you might know, I used to be a technology consultant. That was my previous career. And so, I have in my basement a lot of old tech uh, stuff, uh, we'll just say. Uh, it's. I like to think of it as like a workshop or maybe a museum, uh, but I think members of my family might refer to it as a junk pile. Uh, <laughs> So anyway, in this in this uh, beautiful array of technology, uh, there's old hard drives, I think some of them still work, there's broken iPhones, there's uh, a couple old Apple II computers that I can tell you all about, uh, there's obsolete wireless routers, and there's enough uh, USB cables to circle the globe like three times, I think. Um, and I've been super slow to discard these things, to get them out of my house. Because I feel like in some sort of weird way, are a part of my identity, you know, they're a part of who I am. They remind me of things that I'm really proud of. They remind me that I can fix stuff. They remind me that I can provide for my family. It's, it's, uh, this, this was a career that I uh, paid my way through seminary with and, and things like that. So these items, these old junky USB cables, are kind of a source of pride for me, for my identity. Now, if I were to put that identity back on, if I was to relaunch my consulting website and blah, 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 all that sort of stuff, that would be a pretty big distraction for my life, wouldn't it? It would, it would I think Lena just nodded. Uh, it would hold me back from living into the calling that God has given me, of spending more time with my family and the vocation that he's given me. Well, friends, we are in dire need of judgment because all of us, all of us have this pile of junk in the basements of our soul. And for some of us, it's past accomplishments that foster pride and rob us from living into the true calling that God has for us. For others, it might be nagging addictions that hold us back, or it might be destructive habits of mind and thought, or it might be mean language that just spews out of our mouth, or it might be consuming guilt that paralyzes you. Friends, we all have things that need to be removed From our lives. Like removing junk from the basements, the junkyard basements of our home, God wants to refine your soul. He wants to purify you. That's what His motives are. He wants you to shine and be radiant like gold and like silver. And not just for us as individuals, but He wants to do that to the entire cosmos, to the entire world. So here in Advent, we prepare for the arrival of God Himself in which he will judge both the living and the dead. And through Jesus Christ, through his grace, we are invited into life with him. So what does it look like to even prepare like this? Well, if you don't know Jesus, or maybe you do know Jesus, but you're sitting here and you're thinking to yourself, Rick, you you don't know what's in my basement, okay? It's not just junky uh, USB cables. It's much, much more tragic and terrifying than that. Maybe you're thinking here, Rick, you don't know what I've done. You don't know what haunts my soul. Well, the gospel has, is good news for all of us. Because when Jesus Christ submitted himself to the pain and the suffering of the cross, he took upon himself all of the wrath, all of the judgment that we had stirred up for ourselves. The good news for the Christian is that we don't need to prepare. We don't need to prepare for... Um, uh, We don't need to prepare for God because we're trying to earn a good judgment. Jesus has already secured that for us. We are being judged through and according to the righteousness of Jesus Christ. God's judgment is the final removal of sin from our lives. That is why the Christian looks forward to it. We want that purification. We want those those things to be Sometimes painfully, but we do want them to be removed from our lives. And by the power of God's spirit working within us, we can be made more like him. He gives his people peace. He gives his people forgiveness. He gives people hope. So if you do know Jesus, and I hope that you all do, please, I ask that during this Advent season, you would carve out some time this Advent to really go through the basement of your soul, the basement of your heart, And ask God to remove things from your life. You know, at our evening prayer services, these are um, uh, even song services on Wednesday nights. These are a beautiful opportunity for that. We're going to be including more prayer in these. They're going to be more quiet, contemplative moments to come and to sit before the Lord and ask for his light to shine into our lives. And so I ask you to come and participate in that. Ask him to remove things from your life that hold you back from experiencing his abundant living. And then also, finally, may we all be praying with one another that Jesus would return quickly, that he would remove all sin and darkness and injustice and violence and oppression from our hearts and from the world because we so desperately want to see the salvation of our God. Please pray with me. Lord Jesus Christ, Seems like with each passing advent, we're, rewind, we're reminded more strongly of the darkness of this world. And Lord, the darkness is out there, but it's also within our hearts. So, Lord Jesus Christ, the Good Physician, the Shepherd of our souls, the Carpenter from Nazareth, may you come into our homes. And Lord Jesus, may you refine us like silver. May you take away those impurities from us so that we might become more and more like you. Lord, forgive us our sins. Give us your gifts of peace and hope that we might be your ambassadors to the world around us. Would we ask all of this in the name of Jesus Christ? Amen.